as it is our culture, and Ryan hit this on the mark, honor is what we do. Um, and in the Bible, it also tells us that those who teach and that those who preach, they do not only deserve a single portion of honor, but they deserve a double portion. And Ryan and Janice are not only preachers, but they're teachers and have taught us so much um, and taught us so much every Friday night and pouring into us and praying for us. Um, I think we should just clap it up for them for taking it up. And, and I love doing ministry with Ryan and Gage, um, but we couldn't do this without those who are above us. And Pastor Michael Durso and the vision and releasing Pastor Chris to do youth ministry. And it's just amazing to have people who are not only rooting for you, but allow you to go work in your calling. So we can also clap it up for, those, for the leaders above us. So it is just, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I got to honor my wife. Thank you. I love you. You bet. I learned. I didn't honor. Woo. But uh, I love the community of Misfit. I love the community of Christ Tabernacle. And there's no other community that I will love to be a part of. Um, and we need each other. Not one single person has all the gifts. Not one person has all the skills and all the wisdom. We need each other to grow and to build up. And it's just amazing to see that we have young people who are willing to pour into each other. We have young adults willing to pour into the next generation. And united, we do not only stand, but we cry with each other. We win with each other. We fight for each other. And when we are united, we take no L's. Misfit, misfit take no L's. We haven't, took an, we haven't taken an L in over like 20 years, 30 years. We, don't, we just don't do it. We don't take L's because we've known to stand united through the rough times, through the hard times, and we know how to win. And just through the instruction of Romans and an illustration through Nehemiah, I would like to partake in a journey with you guys, uh, and not only how to be a community, but how to be an effective community. Because it's not that we just meet here on a Friday. It's not that we just hang and go to hangs and fill up Corrado's, fill up Burger King, fill up Ridgewood Eats, but are we effective as a community in doing the things that God has called us to do? So if you're taking notes, which you should, because that's what good communities do, Romans chapter 12, 1 through 5. So, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. Do not be shaped by this world. If you have a highlighter, highlight that. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you, You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Because God has given me a special gift, and we all have special gifts, I have something to say to everyone among you. Do not think that you are better than you are. You must decide who you really are by the amount of faith that God has given you. Each of us have a body with many parts, and these parts have different uses. In the same way, we are many, but Christ, we are all one body, one community, one church, 
Each one is part of that body, and each part belongs to all the other parts. Psalms 133, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I would like to speak to you tonight in a thought. We're all in this together. And all my high school musical fans say, yeah. All right, let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just thank you for who you are, oh God. Lord, I thank you for the community you have placed us in, oh Father God. Lord, even now I pray for the community that you have brought from our church to go to Israel, oh God. Lord, I pray you give them travel and mercies. I pray, oh Father, that you will speak to them, oh Father God, and that they will bring a new vision, a new refreshing revival back into our community here, oh God. Be with us tonight, oh God. Use me and speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a couple of weeks ago, how many of you love tribes? I, 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 but I'm sort of biased. My tribe is the best because I got unplugged. So I call all the kids. If you, you're my tribe. So a couple of weeks ago, I took my tribe out. They're like, yo, Kev, I want a ball. We never ball. You say you nice, but you ain't nothing. I'll school you. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I said, all right. One day, we had a week off from school. I took my tribe. It was four of us. We went out to, to Putnam Park. And then it was like, all right, Kev. Us five against you, four against you. I was like, that's not even fair. Y'all not, y'all not gonna beat me. So then I said, all right, one of y'all could be in my team. Go ahead. Chris was on my team. Where he's at? Where's Chris at? He's an usher. Yeah, see, my tribe, my tribe be serving. So it was me and Chris against, sorry guys, Alex and Corey, and Aaron, 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 Aaron. So I was shacked in the fool. So they was trying to score on me, layups. I was like, get that out of here. Not in my house. And it was like 12 zip. So I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to just sit on the sidelines. They were like, yo, it's not fair. If I had your height, I'll be not. If I had your muscles, I'll be not. I'm like, but you don't. That's why I'm the leader. I was like, all right, I'm not going to school you guys anymore. You guys go. Yeah, I can go play. So there was some kids. They were like, yo, I got next. They were waiting. I'm like, go ahead, play with them. It's fine. So my tribe against the, the hood. <laughs> so I was, I was already praying. Because when Pastor Ralph and Lisa dropped uh, Corey and Aaron off, guys, they have a direct connection with the Lord. And a scratch went on Corey or Aaron. I would be sacrificed. So every time Corey went for something, I was like, all right, right, he's good, he's good. But they were going at it, back and forth, scoring, scoring. I was so proud. I was like, yo, my kids are nice. (laughs) Wisdom and stature. They they got it all. Yeah, let's go. So they go and they're scoring. But there was a matchup that I began to look at. And it was Corey and one of the kids on on the court. That kid was a hack. We're going to call this kid Doubt. So Dow was hacking Corey. Every time he tried to get the ball, <laughs> Corey's glasses was falling and everything. Corey's like, yo! I, Corey's quiet, but not on the court. So he's there, and I'm like, I'm just ready to step up and hit a kid and run. Because I'm like, yo, if you hurt my kids, it's a wrap. Because I'm not going to hear it from, from Pastor. I, I don't want to get stepped down. So they're going back and forth, and then one, Corey just had it. He just had it. 
the ball fell, his glasses fell. He looked at the ball, he scooped it up, he got his glasses, put it on, and he just looked at the kid. I was like, oh, shoot. Corey, you, that's you. He got up, I was like, yo, if he hits him, I'm coming with the follow-up, and it's a wrap, we running. I live like three blocks away. I know the alleys, I know the streets to go down. But he gets up, and he just goes, I saw! And I'm like, Corey, you, you out here calling plays? And my, the rest of my tribe is like, everybody off the court! Everybody off the court! And I'm like, they're about to shoot the fair. So Corey's there, and he just points at a kid. He goes, I saw! And I'm just like, oh, shoot. So now I'm like, what is ISO? It's like he's, he's, calling, he's like, no. In street ball, if you call ISO, that means everybody off the court and whoever has the ball and whoever he calls out goes on the court and they go 1v1. So I'm like, oh, snap. So remember, Corey's now one-on-one -on -one with Doubt. So Doubt is in his way. He's been hacking them, trying to, you know, every time he tries to score a back, basket, and Corey's going... He misses, but Corey wasn't alone, and he had his big bro with him, cheering him on, and he's like, yo, it's all good. I call ISO next. Let's go. Boricua, baby. And I was like, I was going to call next. I would have called ISO on all four of them, but I was like, let me just sit back. They don't want me to get in there. So Corey go, uh, uh, Aaron goes in, his little gold chain, like, yo, papi suave. <laughs> What's up? He goes in, he shoots. But the thing that amazed me is that Aaron didn't go back to doubt and say ISO. Aaron actually went after the biggest kid on the court. He said, forget, forget, forget doubt. You little boy. He went after the, some big kid with a white beater, a, a white, he was just like, diesel. He was like, yo, ISO, baby. <laughs> so we're going to call this kid Fear. So Aaron knew that if he gets the biggest kid on the court, Fear, then the other kid, Doubt, would have to recognize, I can't really mess with these guys. Because here... He conquered doubt when he conquered fear. So Aaron goes, let's go. He didn't even waste no time. He just said, blicky. And he made the basket. And it just reminds me that we need reinforcements. There's some times that when you think you're in it alone, that you're just like, nobody's, nobody's going to be here with me. But you're going to need to step up and take that courage and say, so, and even when you don't make it, you have a God that's with you. You have a tribe leader who's with you. You have a community who is with you and are not willing to let you fail. They're not willing to let you give up. You see, when we read in Romans, do not be shaped by this world, meaning 
You're going to have to go into the world and have some 1v1s. You're going to have to go into the world and ruffle up some feathers. But God wants you to know that he doesn't want you to be shaped by the world. He doesn't want you to be shaped by what you go through. But he wants you to be shaped from the inside already by his word. Brings me to my first point. We have no power if we are not spiritually united. Ephesians 4, 2 through 6. Always be humble, gentle, and patient, accepting each other in love. You are joined together with peace through the spirit. So make every effort to continue this way. There is one body and one spirit. God called you to have one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one God and Father of everything. He rules everything and is everywhere and in everything. Now, if you didn't know, if you accepted Jesus as ruler of your life, you are a part of this body. And you have a gift that you've been given that you didn't earn, you didn't have to work for, but God released this gift to you so that you can carry out the work that he has for you. Now, we are all gifted to share the gospel. Whether you believe, hey, I'm in culinary, I don't really preach too well, and Ryan is like, no, I want you to do the word of the week, I want you to do prayer for Friday. I don't, I'm good at just tech, like holding a camera, that's my gifting. I, I don't really speak. But God has called us in different magnitudes to speak, to, to, to share his gospel, whether it's to one person, whether it's to a multitude of people. So if you're in culinary, hey, you like, you like serving people, you like feeding people, where Jesus is our living bread, and with him, I'll never thirst again. There's opportunities for you to preach the gospel in any ministry you're at. You're in maintenance, then you're used to messes. You're used to cleaning up after things. God cleaned up a mess in my life that I'm never able to repay him. But from this day forward, I'm going to live it out. This day forward, I'm going to continue to do what God has called me to do. Whether it's I'm cleaning toilets, whether I'm picking up chairs after a Friday night, I'm not running out of here to go and, and party and go to Hangs. Hangs will wait. Corrados don't close tonight. <laughs> and another mess I want to introduce you to is from the book of Nehemiah. And now, if you don't know, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah are books talking about the restoration of the promised land. Ezra talks about the temple. Nehemiah talks about building the wall. Now, a backstory: God had exiled the people of Israel for 70 years because they were in rebel towards him. They built false gods. They believed in other gods. They were unfaithful. So God has said, I'm giving you to your enemies. And for 70 years, they were exiled from the promised land. You, must, you may have heard who they were ruled under in some parts. King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, Abshak, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was king of Babylon, and he ruled over the Israelites, the Israel, when they were exiled from the promised land. But God was going to restore it. Those 70 years were up. Now it's time for restoration. Now it's time for God to bring his people back to the Holy Land. 
So in Nehemiah 1 and 2, it talks about, Nehemiah hears about his people. People were going back and they're like, Nehemiah, the, the walls, it's in ruin. How are we going to be protected? How are we going to be covered? How can we have a community when we don't have any walls? So Nehemiah began to pray. Nehemiah began to pray to God and say, God, you are a God of your people. and you, you keep your word. And you said that for a period of time we would be exiled, but you are bringing us back to this land. Now I'm coming to you, God. Nehemiah, before he asked permission for the king, before he asked people to help him out, he went to God. He knew that there was an order. He knew that there was a process. He knew that if he had God on his side, no matter what, was gonna face, what he was going to face or what was coming his way, that God would give him the victory. And this brings me to my second point. The mission God has for us is always greater than the permission he gives the enemy. Nehemiah knew that he was going to face troubles. Nehemiah knew that he was going to face hardship. He knew that the people around were going to be upset because they had already ruled for 70 years without having to worry about the people of Israel. So he went to God. He said, God, you said that you were going to bring us back. He began to read scripture. He began to pray and intercede. Then he went to the king to ask for permission. But he, he, he did it because he knew that there was a process. He knew that God is a God of order and that he had to get his priorities straight so that whatever came his way, it wouldn't prevent him from getting the victory. So he goes to the king. The, the, the king says, you have my blessing. Go ahead. Go and create, you know, the walls. Go bring back your people. I'm fine with it. Ecclesiastes 4, 12 says this. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-strand rope isn't easily snapped. When I was young, my, my mom got me this new bike. It was a mongoose. Ooh, that's it. Pegs in the back, pegs not in the front. Not there yet. And my brother had a bike, but his wasn't brand new. His was a hand-me-down from my uncle, but I couldn't ride it because it was too tall. It was like, I mean, too high. I couldn't like get on and I wouldn't need trainer wheels. But the mongoose was just right. I was there. Riding my bike through the hood with my brother. Like, yo, what's up? Hurry up. You can't beat me. I was winning. Going around the block. Because that's the only, we can only go around the block. That's it. <laughs> my grandmother was, at, was that grandmother at the window looking at the block. So, Kevin, where you going? It took you two minutes to go one time. It took you four minutes there. What you was doing for two minutes? I was like, mama, pera, pera. Love you, bendición. So when we made a lap, my brother just goes, yo, Kev, just ride your bike and put it in the front yard. And I'm like, what? We just got out. When we get to the block, make sure that you put your bike inside. And I'm like, oh, all right, whatever, because I couldn't do anything without my brother. He was supposed to watch me, so if I left without my brother, I would have gotten in trouble. So I was like, all right. 
probably had to use the bathroom or he's just hating on my bike. So I go, and now I'm riding, and I just see my brother coming by me. Yo, hurry up, go home. I turn, there's two people on their bikes chasing us. And I'm like, oh. He's like, they're going to take your bike. And I'm just like, oh, snap. I put, I went, that's it. I turn, I, I go in. I didn't even get a chance to, to put my bike in the front yard. He just screamed. He said, get mama, get mama. You see what we just read? It said, could you round up a third? That third? That was my grandma. <laughs> so we get there. I'm ringing a bell. I'm knocking the window. Mama, mama, help, help. It smells like sofrito. I'm like, mama, help, help. My brother throws my bike into the front yard, and one of the guys grabbed my brother's bike, the mountain bike, and he's just pulling. He's pulling. He's pulling. Mama, they trying to steal the bike. She comes out. She's like, ¿Qué? Mi bicicleta. Mi bicicleta. I, I never seen my grandmother move so fast. The only time I seen her move that fast was when Cafe Bustelo and Coco Lopez were on sale at Food Bazaar when she was trying to make Oguito. But other than that, she booked it. She was like, woo, woo, woo. She came outside and she's like, mira, oh, yeah, And she said things that I'm not supposed to say. But these dudes must have understood her. She spoke Spanish and they just left. And my brother just threw the bike. He sat on the steps and he was frustrated with me. He was like, why didn't you listen to me when I first told you the first time to go inside? He's like, do you think I was that jealous of your bike that I was trying to rob you from something? He's like, I see something that you didn't see. You were too focused on what you had that you weren't able to see the plans that these guys had to take your bike. There are many times where the leader is going to tell you, hey, that post wasn't too smart of an idea. You're beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think you should expose yourself in that way. And we get upset. Why are you telling me to post what I could post? It's mine. You're not my mother. You're not my father. But could it be maybe that they see something that you don't see? Could it be that they see the, they can't see a DM but the Lord can reveal things that no DM could uh, show. You could delete your history. You could clear your search. But God sees your heart. And when you're connected with a community that loves you, there's going to be times where they're going to correct you. And that correction always comes in love. And if there's any moment, and I tell this to, to the ump, if there's any moment you feel like we crossed the line as leaders, tell me straight up. Like, hey, like you told me not to post this, but I didn't feel like, and we'll discuss this. I say, hey, you know, listen, this is why I told you just, you know, not to post that. Or this is why I told you, you know, to respect your parents. And this is why you should honor your parents. And this is why you should not cut class. And I will, we'll talk it out. That's what community is. I'm not just going to get frustrated, not come to Misfit anymore. I don't like the way they're doing things. They're trying to talk. We're not trying to run your life. We're trying to run with you. We've been there. There's been times where I've been in school and I've done things that I'm not proud of. And if I see 
even a glimpse of an unplugged kid or even any of my tribe kids or any of the leaders I'm with going through something that I've been through, and if I could prevent it, I'm willing to do it. Nehemiah knew now that he had to encourage his people. He gave them the plan. He said, look, God is with us, but it's going to be difficult. And he had to encourage them to let them know that there's a process to this. And talking about process, my boy Joaquin spoke a message of his life. It's on podcast. Go look at it about process. Look at it up. But Nehemiah knew that there was a process. And he's like, if my community doesn't understand my vision, the vision that God's given me to rebuild, then when the hard times come, they're going to dip. They're going to run away because they don't know the end result. He knew that there was an order. You ever try to put a dollar in a vending machine and your Reese's Pieces get stuck inside? Oh, my goodness. It bugs me. In a firehouse, we have a soda machine, and I love cream soda at night. So I put my dollar. It come back out. I'm like. Put it back in, comes back out. I'm gonna go, dude, soda machine's out of order. He's like, oh yeah, it's out of order. You see me trying to put a dollar in it. (laughs) You don't tell me nothing? He's like, but if it's out of order, why are you trying to keep on putting money in it? You're not gonna get anything in return. And this is what Nehemiah knew. That if his people in the community, life, was out of order, anytime God had to pour into them, they weren't able to receive it. They had out of order labeled on them. Before we can do anything, we have to make sure that our life is aligned with God. God, you're number one. God, I put you over everything. If I know you're above everything, then I know everything will fall into place. And Nehemiah knew this. He had to get his people in order. So he does. He, he speaks to them. He lets them know in verses 1 and 2. He's like, listen, this is what God's told me. I prayed. Don't worry. God got our back. Now in Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, they begin to build. And it goes, Elishib, the high priest, and the, his fellow, fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They gave it to the Lord's service and set its doors in place. They worked as far as the Tower of the Hundred and gave it to the Lord's service. They went on to the Tower of Hananel, next to them, the people of Jericho. If you have a highlighter, highlight next to them. And just count how many next to them you see in the book of Nehemiah chapter 3. Next to them, the people of Jericho built part of the wall, with Zakur's son and Emir built next to them. The sons of Hassanah rebuilt the fish gate, laying its boards and setting its doors, bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakuz, made repairs next to them. Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs next to Merimoth. And Zodok, son of Banna, made repairs next to Meshulam. So 
the people began to rebuild the wall where they did life. So if their house was here, they made sure and they were accountable to the team, to the community, for their portion of the wall. And what I love is that God makes it, makes it a point that in chapter 3, you see plenty of times it'll say next to them and next to them and next to them and next to them, which poses the question, who are you next to? In your community, who are you standing by? Who are you building with? Are the ones next to you building or are they exposing the community? And I love this because they were accountable for each other. And I love, we all know the verse, iron sharpens. But in the beginning, I've always had a misconstrued ideology of iron sharpens iron. I felt that if you were an iron, we couldn't hang because you are not able to sharpen me. But that's not it. Because there was a point in time that God revealed to me that I wasn't an iron myself. But he sent somebody to sharpen me up. So now that if I see that if I'm responsible for this part of the wall, and the one next to me is responsible for their part of the wall, but I got three layers done of the wall, and they're still on one. And they're battling, oh, I don't really like this wall. I'm not really with this community right now. But you can't just sit by and let them give up and let them quit. The old Kevin would have been like, yo, you're not iron? I'm building a wall all the way over there because I don't want to be seen next to this guy. I'll build over here this wall. But this wall this wall's entirety is to protect our community. So me moving over there to build another part of the wall wasn't going to prevent exposure to our community. So really, iron sharpens iron, meaning that if somebody is not really sharp, leaders, tribe leaders, junior high school kids, young adults, it's our obligation to iron as iron to sharpen each other, to make sure that I'm not only worried about getting sharpened, but I'm willing to put it for someone else to sharpen when somebody is not on their A game. Building the wall wasn't an exclusion to people. It wasn't like God is saying, build this wall, segregate ourselves to the, to the world. The wall represented something. How's your wall doing? Are you building it up? Are you giving up? Are the people next to you sharpening you? This is our duty as a community. When I'm building my wall, Ryan is right there building his wall. Yo, how was Friday? It was good. Yo, how was Sunday? It was great, man. Like three people got saved, three new junior high school came. Cool. Yo, Gage. Yo, what's up? How's your wall? Yo, it's good. Chilling, hangs, Burger King, see you. <laughs> this is how it is in Christ's tabernacle. Side by side, you got Zach, Kareem, Ryan, Gage, Jeremiah, Pastor Chris, Pastor Durso, 
pastors, deacons, we're all building this wall together. We're building, building a legacy. For years, Christ's tabernacle has stood on firm foundation, and that's prayer, Holy Spirit, and teaching the next generation. <clears throat> and Nehemiah knew this, and he knew that he had to encourage because now it's coming to a time where they're like halfway point on where they want the wall to be, and people are coming against them. So he goes, 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding. Our lives together as a church, every, depend, every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If, we, if one part hurts, every other part hurts. And in the healing if one, if, if one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. Meaning, if one suffers, we all suffer. If one hurts, we all hurt. If one get honored, we all get honored. And this brings me to my third point. And if Kareem, if you could come help me out. If you're taking notes, my third point is private victories cultivate public victories. Muhammad Ali said this. The fight is won or lost far away from witnesses, behind the lines, in the gym, and out there in the road long before I dance under those lights. We don't have to take one for the team anymore. 2,000 years ago, Jesus decided his community needed help. And he put the sins that we couldn't pay back on his shoulders. And Nehemiah knew this. It was going to come to a point where Jesus was going to come and save his people. But they were going to have to go through some stuff as a community. You know, never again in the Bible we can see where Israel, God's people, were banished due to rebellion and building false gods. It showed that God restored. That wall meant something else. That wall meant something more. Community means so much more to God. They were almost giving up. Nehemiah 4.14 says, After I looked all of these things, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, and your wives, and your home. As a community, we have to get into our word. We have to pray for one another. We have to be there for one another. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one's in pain, we all in pain. It's not about us. The world, we cannot be shaped by this world. The world wants us to think about ourselves, getting our own Lone wolf, lone ranger, all about me. Forget about everyone else. Nobody's with me. Nobody cares about me. But God is like, no. <clears throat> I have people that need you. <clears throat> and then you begin to see Nehemiah 16. Everyone began to, to form up. Nehemiah heard of a plan that was, they were going to come to attack. But they weren't finished with the wall yet. Nehemiah 4.16 says, so from that day on, half my men did the work. 
while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried material did their work with one hand and held the weapon in the other. That's gangster. I'm working on what God wants me to do, but on the other hand, I'm ready to wash somebody up. Those who carried materials did work with one hand and held the weapon in another. Each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet, guys, trumpet represented worship. Trumpet represented war. Guy who had the, sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the, to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is, is extensive. Life is going to be rough. Life is going to give you bruises. Life is going to make you want to quit. The work is extensive and spread out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. So wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us. Our God will fight for us. Now, if you go into the New Testament in Ephesians, it tells us who we're really battling. Ephesians 6, and I'll end with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, so we can stand united against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put your full armor of God so that the day when the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with the, on your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith. Take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, what's interesting about the shield of faith is that you have to take it up. Faith has to be taken up to be protected. You can have the shield, but if you don't use it, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, let's go back to Nehemiah. They were filled with the armor of God. Because with one hand, they had the shield of faith. And the other, they were ready with the word of God. And this got to me. That wall represented faith. With that hand, they were taking up their faith. God wanted them for 70 years to restore their faith, to restore the joy, to restore his promised land to those who believed in him. God's entire, entire plan, all of this was to restore faith, to bring back his kingdom. God wanted to, the people to surrender what they wanted, their life, their own agendas, for what he had. This is the body of Christ. You're in trouble, I'm in trouble. Hold me to it. Hold the leaders to it. Hey, I need help. Pray for me. 
no, 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 don't hang up. Pray for me now. We're not going to be a people who, who are going to say and not do. We're going to be people who move into action. We're going to take up the shield of faith. We're not going to just bear it. We're going to use it. There's going to be times where the enemy's going to come. You know, Nehemiah and his people never had to fight. Nobody came to the wall because the people heard that God was on their side. But they had to be ready. Are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to give it all for God? Are you willing to build up the community? It's not good enough that we just come on a Friday. It's not good enough that we just come, see our friends. But are we building? Are we growing? Are we lifting each other up? What what are we doing on a Monday? What are we doing on a Tuesday? What are we doing on a Wednesday? On a Thursday? Are we really about this life? You're not alone. We've all been through situations, tough times, bruises. We all have scars. That's what carries us along. You still have breath. That just shows that you have life. It's not over. God is not going to quit. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of pushing through. God is a God of love. And if we grasp this as a community, if we grasp this as young people, it's contagious. It's time to build. It's time to live. It's, it's time to go back to the promised land. It's time to go back. Not turning back on what we used to do. Not turning back on our old life and our old communities. It's time to bring back. If we, go, we could all stand. I believe that the best is yet to come. That what you're facing now is just merely temporary. But what God has in store for you, (laughs) you won't be able to even grasp or understand. And he's in it for the long run. You know that we run a race, but it's not for gold It's not for physical jewels and and wealth, but it's for a crown that never fades. God wants us to build. He wants us to build on his word. And he wants us to build right where we are at. You're accountable for where you're at, where you live. Begin to build the wall. Begin to say, God, this is for you. I'm laying this on the foundation of your word. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. Even though it was ruins, even though it was was just in shambles, God, I'm going to give this all to you. I'm going to be there for my brother. I'm going to be there for my sister. I'm going to love like never before. And I'm going to surrender it all to you. I'm not going to hold nothing back. I'm going to give it all to you. Because I know you have my back. And you fight for us. So we're going to sing this song. 
And you know when we win battles, when we worship, when we're going through the tough times but we still worship, when the enemy's right there and he's facing us and he's taunting us but we still worship, it's never going to stop us. He knows that he lost. He know we already have the victory. All we have to do is just walk in it. Worship is what gets us through.